following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. You guys ready for some good news? This is a sobering message, but it is filled with good news. So uh, the narrow way. Um, Anybody ever heard that term before? All right, we're going to get we're going to dig deep this morning. I'm excited. Uh, welcome to uh, every single one of you, especially those that are online. We every week we uh, I, I think I've mentioned to you before, we've gotten a letter from a, a church in Africa that actually uses our 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 sermon as their as their service. You know, so thank God for just, you know, just how God uses these things for his glory. Uh, is fantastic. Um, Operation Christmas Child. So uh, we've got dozens and dozens, maybe a uh, hundred or more uh, shoe boxes. Thank you for everybody's participation, but especially thank you to Miss Roxanne for her leadership. And uh, thank you for just being a part of this wonderful outreach to so many children around the world. Yes. Can I make the point that next Sunday is the last Yes, and that was my next statement. But thank you. You do you your 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 plea is way more um, exciting and uh, and uh, because I mean she doesn't just do this; she embodies this all year long. She is just so passionate about because these aren't just Christmas gifts to children around the world. This is the gospel message, and it is a threshold to a discipleship program. Uh, it is just inviting people to the narrow door to Christ Jesus so that they might know the Father's love. Um, so just like Miss Roxanne said, there are actually, uh, Miss Roxanne did a wonderful job of putting out some sheets in the foyer, some, some tags. Uh, there's actually shoe boxes out there. All you got to do is just put stuff in it. Um, and uh, there's literally, the sheets are for each age group and what is appropriate for that age group, um, uh, gender, whatever the case may be. There are some items that they uh, they don't want us to put in there. So just be aware of those details. Grab one of those sheets on the way out. You can add to this, uh, this wonderful pile uh, next week will be the last Sunday and then they have to get off to the distribution site. Millions, uh, I don't know if we have a current number on this, but millions upon millions millions of these boxes go around the go around the world at christmas in we're talking about christmas already well i know some people have been talking about it for a long time but um i'm still excited about thanksgiving and speaking of thanksgiving thank you to everybody that brought in so many uh so much items for our thanks living baskets so this tuesday night at 6 30 if you want to join us uh for prayer and packing uh the packing party will be this this uh this coming tuesday night and uh and then we have recipients that will be receiving these baskets uh they go far beyond uh a thanksgiving meal uh there's tons of other supplies and needs uh for for and many of you have submitted family members neighbors coworkers um, and, uh, or, or others. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, but please come out for the packing party. You could sign the, the card that we send devotional material. Um, and so, or you might even, if, if, if you'd like, uh, have the privilege of taking that basket to a family. So, um, which has in the past opened up a lot of other opportunities to minister. So that's, uh, that's a cherished, uh, moment there for sure. Um, uh, last week, I uh, didn't get a chance to share with you because it was kind of the tail end of our leadership retreat. Uh, I want to thank everybody for, for joining us in the fasting and the prayer uh, for that weekend. Um, what we do uh, every year as leadership is we, we, we come apart in prayer to just seek the Lord for next year's vision and direction and guidance. 
And as, as, uh, as faithful as he always is, he has given us a theme. That theme will be uh, revealed. This year's theme is what? Dwell, right? And we've been talking at the end of every, uh, every month. The sermon is about dwell and how God has, has made it possible to, to make us his dwelling place. And the challenge for us is to, is to make him our dwelling place. And that if we abide in him, uh, we will bear much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so, you know, the Christian life is, is, is less about doing and more about abiding in his presence because the doing, the when, where, and how all flows out of this beautiful, life-giving, joy-filling relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so that's, uh, that's kind of been our theme this year. We're actually going to do a, 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 something new this year. Um, usually we, um, we unveil um, the, the, the new theme, the first Sunday of the year, uh, we're actually going to unveil this year at Christmas Eve service. Um, you don't want to miss it. Uh, the whole service is going to, it all ties together. It's going to be an amazing time together. Uh, so make plans to be a part of our Christmas Eve service. Anybody know what date that's on? Okay. Good, good. I'll take that as yes, we, we know. Um, so one of the things that we uh, did during our leadership retreat, first of all, we studied through the, the letter of Philippians um, and, uh, and really dug in deep to that and then obviously spent a lot of time, God bless you, um, in prayer, uh, seeking the Lord for his wisdom, direction, guidance. Um, but one of the things, uh, so we, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you to Sandcastle Realty, specifically to Leanne and, and that precious family that provided uh, a place for us to stay out on the beach. Um, and, uh, and so in the mornings we were challenged to get up early. We know that Mark 135 says, uh, good morning. There you are. Um, says, uh, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And so the challenge was that that we would take these and we had lots of moments where we just were challenged to come apart and just pray in significant portions of time. And one of them was first thing in the morning to get out before the sun came up and to spend some time uh, out on the beach in creation, listening for that beautiful, still, small voice um, and uh, and being still so that we might be reminded that you have this glorious God that we know and wants to know us deeply and intimately does, but wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. So um, I, I don't know why it never dawned on me before to uh, to just listen to the Psalms. Like, so if you have, any of you have version uh, or some sort of Bible app on your phone, version has this beautiful ability to just read the scriptures to you, right? And, um, and so I just felt led to just uh, sit there for about an hour and I mean, the, the, the ocean's rolling up to my feet, right? My towel, you know, and, uh, and, and just listen to Psalms, like different, you know, different. And I, and I, and I just listened to different sections of the Psalms for about an hour. It was fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's just, but the challenge was this to our, to our leadership is find a portion, a Psalm, a portion of Psalms, a mix of Psalms that really relates to your, to where you're at in this season of life. Because the Psalms really is kind of the emotional content, mostly of David, but other psalmists that, that are really articulating their, their faith, their struggles, their pain, their trials, their adversity, their confidence, their praise in the Lord. And, um, and so that was going to be the, 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 the wrap up of our weekend. And so Saturday morning, I mean, yeah, Friday morning, I got up, did that. Saturday morning, I got, and I, I didn't find a psalm like that really kind of fit for, for where I'm at in this particular season. 
And, uh, and so I felt led, I, I really felt strongly led of the Lord to just write a psalm. And that was daunting to me. Like, that was like, oh, you know, like, you know, like, Maybe you write the psalm, Lord. I'll just write it down. That's how it works anyway, right? So, um, so, um, so I shared that with the team. I said, if you don't find one, like I'm going to challenge you to write a psalm. And so, during our, our our free time, our time for prayer and just being set apart, um, I just tried to listen to the Lord. And and I'm going to tell you, it was kind of it was kind of tough getting started, but once I started, I, I literally had a hard time stopping. Like it just flowed. And I want to share this with you, but this is why I share it with you. I'm going to challenge you, everyone in our church family, to be willing to hear from the Lord and, uh, and, and, and write, just put your heart to paper. Whatever that means, whatever the, the season you're going through, and see what the Lord might do. See what might come forth as you just listen and let, and let uh, you know, let, I'll just share what I wrote. You are my hope in life. Your steadfast love has carried me. Your mercy has brought me back to life. You are the anchor in all my storms. When I fall down, you are my rescue. You are the reason that I sing. Your words are the lyrics of my life. You always seem to find me. And that's <laughs> You always seem to find me. Your kindness calls my heart to yours. When I am tired, you are my rest. When I am sad, you are my song. When I am broken, you are my healer. You are my purpose and my home. You give me abundantly more than I deserve. When life doesn't make sense, you direct my steps. When I want you, I'm sorry, this was my favorite thing the Lord gave me in this. When I want me, you reveal you. You're relentless, you're relentless in your love. Your grace overwhelms me and heals me. Oh, how I long to follow your plans. Convinced they are perfect and filled with purpose. Strengthen my faith for your glory and fame. Deliver my will to the obedience of your word. Widen my heart that it might know yours. Open my lips to always declare your praises. You are my hope in life. Your steadfast love will always carry me home. And I, I want to challenge you to, um, you know, oftentimes, do you think that the Lord leads, calls us to do things that are beyond our abilities? <laughs> you know, and he basically said, and we might say something like, I can't. And God, God would say, I, I know but I can, right? And I want to use you to do it. And it's, and, and so ch- I challenge you, like, see, see if the, just ask the Lord to write your heart on paper. And you know what, you know what it was like? I think the Psalms are often the, the, the way, good morning, good morning, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I think the Psalms are a way of, of David, David's heart was articulated through these with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I, I mean, how many of you have ever throughout your life related to a psalm? You know, and those psalms have really become kind of the anthems of your own sorrow or your own pain or your own process, whatever that might be. 
And so um, if you do, if you take the challenge, which I hope you will, um, would you please share that with me if you're willing? Um, and maybe even with our church family, because I think that would be an excellent uh, expression or testimony amongst our during our time of worship. Um, uh, please be in prayer. Uh, our, our drummer, Kenny, um, our, one of our guitarists, Richard, they, they are not feeling well this morning, so be, keep them in prayer. Fred uh, is doing extremely well, as I talked to him yesterday. He's in the hospital. Uh, Fred preached last week with broken, uh, with broken ribs and, uh, and uh, 70% lung capacity. And, but, but nobody knew that because, you know, he was doing it in the Lord's strength. And so, but I uh, went into the hospital uh, on Monday um, again to have his lung reinflated and, uh, and to remove the fluid uh, and to heal up. And, uh, and he's doing extremely well, praise the Lord, and just excited to get back to what the Lord has for him. Pray for Cindy as well, because I think it's harder on, on spouses and caregivers at times than it is on those uh, individuals. Keep Jerry in prayer as he continues to walk out his healing, praise the Lord. Um, Dave and Sarah got back from their missions conference. Excited to hear about that. I hope that was a, an amazing experience. So welcome home. Uh, I want to say thank you again to Joseph and Donna um, for the, the nursery and for Mariah and uh, Amir uh, for the murals. That uh, if you go in there, it's 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 really beautiful and finished. It's the it made the babies come right. Like if you build it, they will come. Um, but. Uh, the, uh, if you, I, I encourage you to go in the nursery because some of the items that are like, Mariah painted a, a butterfly, I swear it's gonna fly away off the wall. It's just so beautiful and realistic. So, so thank you. Thank you for your, 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 your heart for the Lord and your willingness to share in that was such a blessing. I also want to mention Friday was Miss Catherine's 95th birthday. So uh, make sure if uh, I'm sure belated's okay. So make sure you just celebrate that with her. Uh, I know that would mean the world to her. Um, did I miss something? Oh, oh, Johnny. Johnny had a birthday. <laughs> so pray, pray for them as well. Um, so excited to have Marty and Lissette with us today. Welcome home. <laughs> and uh, just thrilled that you're here. Um, I want to remind everybody that tonight is our, um, our, we've been watching The Chosen. If you're not familiar with this, this, uh, this wonderful, um, depiction of Jesus' life and ministry, it's a fantastic series. Uh, we're in the second season, episode four, but don't let that, each, each individual episode really kind of holds its own. And if you'd like, we'd love to have you. Uh, there's 25 of us coming tonight for dinner. Um, and by the way, dinner tonight is, uh, Olive Garden Soup. Uh, pasta fazool is one of them, I know for sure. Uh, and, uh, and then a salad bar. Um, and then we're gonna watch, uh, episode four of season two. And then we, we, we kinda just dive into some dialogue around that. So I would highly recommend that you come. If you're coming, we, I need to let, uh, our hospitality team know if you are not already RSVP'd on our website. Please uh, let us know. And by the way, fill out a connection card today, whether you use the QR code and go online or grab the, the, the ones that are on the seat backs in front of you. Let us know, you know, who you are, your, your, make sure your email address and phone numbers and those type of things are current so that we can, we can let you know about these opportunities. Uh, we'd love you to come to be a, be a part of that. And as I mentioned, this coming Tuesday, uh, we are packing thanks living baskets to go out to families. Uh, and uh, just to be a blessing. Um, before I get started, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in general, but I, I want to ask God's blessing over these things um, so that, that each one that receives any of portion of these elements that have been packed and brought in love would, would truly see that this is God's 
desire to provide and to love and to reach and to touch them. So would you join me in prayer, please? Father, I thank you for your love. Uh, Father, it's this is the miracle that I'm so grateful for, that I can open my mouth with confidence and boldness and talk to the God of the universe because, Lord Jesus, you went to a cross that wasn't yours and embraced our sin to set us free, to rescue us back to the Father so that we can come into your presence with thanksgiving, so that we can come into your throne room boldly and confidently in our time of need. And so, Lord, we are always in a posture of needing more of you, desperate for a greater uh, revelation of your love and mercy and grace and truth, presence and power. Lord, we want these things to be not foreign but native to us. And so, Lord, in this moment, I want to thank you for every every box of mashed potatoes and and every every toothbrush and candy and all the things that have been put in these boxes and been brought in in love. Lord, I pray that they would go forth in power to just express your great love and provision, that it would it would woo hearts closer to you. Uh, Father, would you do a mighty work in these expressions of grace and love, so that they would. Uh, that each recipient would know, would know you. Uh, Father, I thank you for the work you're doing in Fred's life and Jerry's life. Thank you for bringing Dave and Sarah back safely inspired. Uh, Lord, I just uh, thank you for Miss Catherine. I pray you would bless and continue to, to, to help doctors discover the, the, the needs that are there. Father, we uh, we just continue to thank you for uh, Marty and Lissette and for this time of transition. We just pray that it would just be filled with, with opportunities, missional moments, Lord, divine appointments, Lord, that you would speak. Uh, Father, I just um, I just thank you for this church family. Thank you for Fred. Thank you for uh, for all the things that you are doing in our midst. Uh, most of it we don't even see. Lord, open our eyes to the greater glory of the, the, the majesty and the, the moments that you are touching and moving. Help us to, to, to get outside of ourselves so that we can truly see the, the needs, the pain, the hurt, the hopelessness that surrounds us at times so that we can be a voice of hope and truth and life and mercy. Um, Lord, I pray that you would seed our hearts with truth today, that your word would go forth in power, that we would be fertile soil ready to receive this truth, that that it would be planted deeply in us so that it would bear fruit, that it would not be something we know, but something we do and live. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would change us in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would have our full attention, that we would be those that strive to enter through the narrow door, that we would be those that press on towards the goal to win the prize of the upward call of of knowing you. And, uh, and Father, I pray that you would do this glorious work, Holy Spirit, that you would personally take this message and make it unique to each, each one this morning. I pray that you would rescue those that are far from you and that you would draw those that are close to a more intimate place that we might, that we might find that you are the all in all. And we love you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Okay, grab your Bibles. 
Uh, if you don't have one with you, um, there are some in the seatbacks in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to sow God's Word into your life. I'll give you a brand new Bible. I would treasure that opportunity. Uh, but I encourage you, bring your Bibles with you to church each day. Um, if uh, anybody would like notes for this morning, whether the detailed notes or just a place, uh, notes that have the passage and the place to write out something, just raise your hand. Rob has those in the back, and Rob will bring those around to you and be happy to give you a copy of those. Um, and, uh, and, and please be students of the word. We are in John, it's John. We're in Luke. Um, we're in Luke as the next slide will tell you or the previous slide. I'm sorry. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 13. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 22 where we left off last week and we're going to go through verse 30. Um, this is a very sobering message. We're called as believers to be sober minded over and over and over again, um, about things that are, that are critical urgent even. Um, anybody believe we're in the last days? Yeah. Let me tell you that the, biblically speaking, since Pentecost, we have been in the last days. But every day we're, we're drawing closer to that moment, uh, a moment very similar to what Noah experienced and First Peter talks about, that there's going to be a time where the ark, so to speak, is going to be shut. And this is a time that is determined by the Lord and when that when that door is shut, do you believe this morning that when the ark was shut uh, and the flood waters started to come, there were probably some believers in the room at that point? Do you think that there might have been some people banging on the ark saying, let me in? And it was too late. Um, do you believe that that might be the case when, when Christ comes back and he takes his bride to himself? We're going to talk more about that this morning. And this should do two things for us. One, it should create an urgency to, to share the gospel with those that are outside the kingdom. You know, Jesus said, I came to bring the kingdom. The kingdom of, the kingdom of the Lord is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And, uh, and, and, and we, uh, those that are, have been sealed, been given the Holy Spirit, and it's simply through faith. Like it's, it's not about uh, our works, our effort. But yet we're called to strive to enter through the narrow door. We're challenged to those things. Let me read the passage again. We're in Luke chapter 13, 22 to 30. And, uh, and then we're going to dive into this. And I hope that you're sitting on the edge of your seat. I hope that you're, you're here ready and to, to not just know this, this precious word, but to, to make application, to live it out. Um, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Uh, Luke 13, 22 to 30 says this. He being Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem because that was his goal. That was his mission. That was his passion. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. 
And people will come from the east and west, from the north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. A couple of questions as we get started this morning. Have you ever assumed you were on a guest list and later found out you were not? Has that ever happened to you? You know, different in this context because Jesus, Jesus is in a posture. The Holy Spirit is in the ministry of inviting people to come. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He told John and, and Andrew, he said, come and see. Like he, he, Jesus was inviting, but he wasn't inviting people into a program, a system, or a religion. What was he inviting them to? himself. He was in, man, I've, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. This is, did, does Jesus ever force anybody into relationship with him? No. Right? No. And, but for me, this is, you know, we see so much bridal language in, in Jesus's plead to come and follow him. Right. And, 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 and what that looks like in its, in its, in its reality, in its, in its living. And, and this is what I, I see. I see Jesus being the perfect bridegroom, holding up the covenantal ring and saying, won't you be mine? Won't you come and know the, the protection, the provision, the love, the mercy, the grace, the kindness of my presence, my leadership? Won't you come and know my father? Won't you come and share in my inheritance? And, and, uh, and he invites us into his, his headship, his leadership, his love. That's what he's inviting us into. Is he's inviting us into his love. And, and it's covenantal. And it's the beginning to the bridal journey, right? As we understand Jewish uh, bridal procedure, that there's a pledge. And then we're in that pledge stage awaiting our bridegroom to come back and to fetch his bride. And, and there's a wedding banquet or feast that transpires. And that's what's being discussed here. But, but Jesus, like, look, we're told that the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels, not for humanity. But many are following him down that wide road that leads to destruction. And, and they have no idea that they're entering into an eternity separated from him. You know, it's interesting because God basically gives us what you, you want to be close to me. Come on, come on, let's get close seek me. You'll find me if you seek me with all your heart, like come. But if you, if you want to be far from me, you know what? That we actually in eternity get what we want. If you think about it in, 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 in the most fullest of sense, those that want nothing to do with God, those that want everything, know that, that everything has to do with God draw into his presence and find their home, their heart, their life, their purpose in him. And Jesus, like throughout his ministry, is pleading, pleading. The next week's passage, like pleading, come, come. I, how I've longed to, to bring you under my wing. I like to bring, but you, like this, this is what it says. Matt reminded us this morning, like it literally says, but you were not willing I mean, could it just boil down to that? That we're striving after other things? That we're wanting something other than him? 
Have you ever assumed you were on a guest list and later found out that you were not? Man, how many times does Jesus say, many will say, Lord, Lord. Did we not cast out demons? Didn't we do these, all these miraculous works in your name? But he, you know what he says in that moment? Like between the lines, this is what he's saying. You might have used my name, but you, you, you aren't my name. Like that's the beauty of a husband put, putting the banner of his name over his bride. Because what comes with a name is authority, right? It comes, it comes with inheritance. It comes with all the, everything that Jesus has is now yours as his bride. And, um, and, and he says, he says, depart from me for I did not know you. Depart from me. What a sad moment. Another question. Have you ever shared a relationship you thought was close and later find out you were not? That, that's this sobering moment where these people kind of come knocking on the door and they're like, Jesus, you remember me? Like we were the ones that were like, you know, you were teaching and, 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 and we ate together. You remember? You remember? And Jesus is like, I don't even know where you come from. You're, this is what he's saying. You're a stranger to me. We're not intimate. You're not my bride. And that's, that is, I mean, that moment should cause us to, to, to share the gospel with intensity and passion and love and concern. Right? But, but it should always, I mean, how many times Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? In other words, he's saying it's not true. It's, it's, it's a lie. I'm not your Lord. Because if I was your Lord, you would do what I... And there's coming a day, beloved. There's coming a day where, the, like the ark, the Lord's going to close the door. Those that are inside, saved from the judgment. Just like the blood painted over the doorpost at Passover. Right? It's the same thing. Isn't it interesting that that's a door and the ark is a door and Jesus says, I am the door. Isn't that interesting? And unless his blood is painted over our lives, because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins or remission of sins, right? And so here's the first part of this text. I mean, I hope you're so attentive this morning because the implications for the saint is that we need to get out there and be laborers in the harvest. The implication for the one that thinks they're a saint, but they really have no intimate relationship with the Lord is believe, repent, confess, and, and embrace the, the invitation to, his, to this bridal relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. And for those that are outside the kingdom, come, <laughs> come, for today is the day of salvation. We don't know about tomorrow. Right? We're, we're promised eternity, but we're not promised tomorrow in these bodies. And so Luke 13, 22 to 24 says, and he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem, because that's, that's where the mission was, was to finish, was to be accomplished. And someone said to him, Lord, it's interesting that he calls him Lord, right? That's, that's not master. That's not teacher. He calls him Lord. And then he has this insightful question that was common to the rabbis of his day. Will those who are saved be few? Why? Because this was the heritage and lineage and resume of Israel, right? They would wander off. 
They were sheep that were prone to stray, right? And, and God would be faithful to rise up a remnant. But that's what, that's what all the, that, that's all would, would exist because they would constantly reject and, and, and turn to idols and become worldly. Does it sound familiar to our culture? Right? No wonder God, God calls it and feels it as adultery. Because even, even God the Father called the nation of Israel his bride. Right? I mean, like, do you know that God wants to have, he uses father, he uses all these intimate terms to help us to understand the intimacy that he has purchased us to in our relationship with him. He wants this intimacy and, and he postures himself as husband and father because he is, he is faithful to provide that. He, to, to perfection, he will provide that, uh, role in our life. And, and man, we just, we don't want anybody to tell us what we can do or not. You know, like, and we're running after, the, we're not willing. I'm not saying we, I'm just saying that's the nature. Uh, we're in rebellion. Our hearts are, are in a rejective mode. And as, as Lori said this morning, while we were yet sinners. That's, a, that's one of the most powerful statements, Romans 5, 8 there. It's like, while we were still in this rebellious rejective enemy posture while we were in that posture jesus raced to a cross to save you i mean and and then he says that's what love looks like that's what love does that's the verb of love because love for, for god so loved the world that he because love gives right and and, and god gave and so we're told here that he asks who Will those who are saved be few? And the answer to that question is, Jesus, if you read between, Jesus says yes. You know, Jesus makes statements like this. When I come back, will I even find faith on the earth? Wow. Right? So like, you know, and and if we look at the previous passage from last week, like the kingdom of God grows, but it's infiltrated by sin. It's infiltrated by the enemy. Right? The birds and the leaven. Like, and that, that is going to, uh, to do exactly what Jesus said. Consume. And it, and it renders the, the church powerless and fruitless if it doesn't understand that apart from him we can do nothing. Right? And so it says, and he said, being Jesus said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. And listen to this. For many Answering his question, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now, guys, if you just stop there, you're starting to think that, well, God's not going to, he's going to reject. And, and, you know, even those that are seeking, well, that contradicts a ton of scripture that God says, if you will find me, if you seek me with what? All your heart. Like he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'll be found if you seek me. Right. So like, what are we to understand in this moment? Uh, what you, and that's why it's so important that we always read scripture in context. We don't take a verse out and try to make it say something that it doesn't, that we always measure scripture to scripture because the best commentary on scripture is scripture, right? And then that we listen to the Holy Spirit and let him kind of, a, but Jesus goes to unpack this statement, right? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. Guys, there is an aspect of the Christian life that is meant to strive. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling right? Press on towards the goal to win the prize. 
I strain towards what's ahead, Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 14. Right? That, that uh, you know, all, all of these, uh, all kinds of things that Paul uses, terminology is in the same. But this is not a work. This is, man, don't, don't we strive for things that are value or importance in our life? When we find the pearl of great price, we, we, we sell it all, right? Uh, and because we're all striving for something. This is more about intentionality and pursuit and passion and what, what our lives are marked by and, and what our pursuit's uh, aim is, right? I, and I think we understand that, but th- that Jesus is saying here, he says, strive to enter, to enter the kingdom of God through the narrow door. So a couple of questions for us here. Well, you know, to know that many, there, there are many that will not in their seeking, that's kind of confusing, right, initially? But he totally explains this. So are you more focused on others' salvation than yours? I think there, there's, that's what's going on here. There, he's so concerned about, like, will it be many or few? And, then, and the reason I say it that way is because Jesus does what he always does. What does he do? He holds up a mirror. And he says, let's look at your heart. I mean, basically what he's saying is, this is what he's saying, I, I believe. Um, Jesus' question is, will you be saved? Right? As usual, Jesus turns the spotlight on their hearts. And doesn't, doesn't he, the Holy Spirit, through his word, do the same for us? We're, we're even told in James 1, 22 to 26, that the perfect law is like a mirror that kind of reflects our impurities. And our, our, our imperfections. And, but what do we do with those things? We take them to the cross. And we acknowledge. And we, we believe that he is the healer. And he's the one that strengthens to the point of obedience. But Jesus' question here is, will you be saved? What does it mean to strive to do something? What is, what is Jesus saying here when he says, strive to enter through the narrow door? Right? What are you striving for? Be honest with yourself. Let, let the word of God kind of, you know, search your hearts this morning. What you, is, it, is it money? Is it health? Is it career? Is it sports? Is it accolades? You know, Paul said this was garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. To know Christ, all of this is, is garbage. I count, the, I count it all loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. So what are you striving for? And, and you know, Jesus doesn't say that, that, that it, you know, strive to enter through a door or a narrow door. He says the door. Because there's only one way to the Father, right? So what is the narrow door? Maybe a better question is, who is the narrow door, right? Let's look at a few passages, because I believe this is the best commentary in Scripture is Scripture. And Jesus gets right to the point here in John 10, talking about being the good shepherd. Uh, in John 10, verses 9 and 10, what is Jesus, what's the first four words there? I am the door. Like, I believe Scripture is like this 33,102-piece puzzle that when we just, like, that's the reason he wants us to, to really dig in and search because when it's all put together, you know what becomes crystal clear? Him, his heart, his intention. 
And, and when, we, when we're willing to, to really let the Holy... I mean, what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do in, in part? He, yeah, he will lead us into all truth and remind us of everything that he has said. And so Jesus says right here, right, as we move to John 10, he says, I am the door, right? There goes the mystery of it, right? I'm the door. If anyone, anyone enters by me, he will be what? There it is. I mean, there it is. This is what he's talking about. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. What, what is the benefit of pasture to a sheep? Right? Like he, he, wants to, he wants to provide for us in significant and consistent ways. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus declares his purpose. I came that they, who's the they? His sheep, right? Of two different folds, Jew and Gentile. He says, I came that they may have life. That's why Jesus, if you ever wondered why Jesus came, he, he came to bring you back to life. You know, and whose life? I'm the way, the truth. He came to bring you back to himself, right? When you put all these together, man, it just, it, it all just comes together and becomes super clear. They came, I came that they may have life and, and not just, but life to the full or abundant. Look at John 4, 16, familiar passage. Jesus said to, to him and, and who he's talking to here, right? At the beginning of John 14, he says, uh, you know, um, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't, I would have told you, but, but I will come and take you to myself that where I am, you will also be right like like that's bridal language that's a that's a like the father sends the son that's exactly what happens in 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 in, in, in galilean weddings and he goes and gets gets his bride right and uh and and then he says this to to the question like how can you know the question is how can we know the way and jesus you know like okay uh jesus said to him i am the way i am the way and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Guys, that's what the, that's why the door is narrow. Does that make sense? There's not many ways to the Father. There's one way. Amen. And you know what? If something's perfect, you don't need another one. Right? He's the way back to life, to home, to eternity. I was watching Francis Chan this week and he uh, did a message a while back and he took this rope and we had a missionary come and do this probably, I don't know, Marty Lissette, probably 12 years ago, longer. Um, and he basically took a rope and he just threw it, you know, as far as anybody could see, you know, and just, it was just forever, you know. And, and then at the end of the rope, he had painted, um, and, you know, the, in, in, imagine the rope is, is endless. And at the end of the rope, he, the, the side he was holding on to was about this long and it was painted red. And he said, you know, I don't know, blood of Christ, whatever. Um, this is your life on earth. Why are we so focused on this? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to save and save and save so I can have a, have a, you know, good time right here, right there. When we've got eternity. And, and I love what he said. He said, now that's foolish. 
And that's exactly what he, what he called people that were living for this world and for this life. He said, you fool, this, don't you know that this very night your life will be demanded of you because you're trying to store up treasures in heaven, I mean on earth, rather than, it's just, it's narrow, right? And because it's narrow, Jesus, it, it means that we, we do what, part of the, the narrowing part of, of, of Christ being the door, the narrow <laughs> gate or door or way, is that he, he puts some, he puts some, he puts some direction in it for us. That's, that calls us to not conform to the patterns of this world. Like we're called to be in the world. Let's not be holy huddle, right? We're called to be in the world, but not of it. Right? And that makes us a peculiar people. Right? A royal, royal priesthood, a holy nation, but, but it makes us distinct and it makes us very, it, it's narrow. It's not, it's not, hey, do whatever feels good. Like, party, have a good time. And then, like, that, you know, in First Peter, it says this about the people of Noah's day. It says they were marrying and giving each other to marry, and they were partying, having a good time. And then the flood came. Don't you think they regretted not listening to the good news that, that uh, Noah was sharing, the, the beckoning and pleading of, man, there's plenty of room on the boat. Won't you come? In John, uh, John 10, as we finish uh, a portion of the passage that we looked at where Jesus says, I'm the door, he also says this in John 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Guys, that is so clarifying as it relates to our passage. Jesus says, the word, uh, the word know here is oida. And it means that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know. Okay? And what he's saying here, listen to what he says here. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Now, to what degree, to what sense, to what degree of intimacy? Listen to what it says. Just as, here's the degree of intimacy. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. That's the kind of close, intimate relationship that he wants us to have with him. And, and not only with him, with one another. If we walk in the light, who's the light? Him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. One another. Right? He wants us, but it doesn't start there. Right? It starts with if you walk in the light. Right? If we walk in intimacy with Christ, don't you find that, that you have this rich, intimate, like, fellowship with people that are also walking in the light? But it's, it's not about like, we got to walk by faith and not by sight, right? We, we, we've got to believe, like, listen to this again. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you, guys, can I ask you this? Do you know him? Do you know that you know that you know that you know him? Is he your bride? Is he, is he your bridegroom? And to the point, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Do you know what that's going to take? That's going to take the rest of our lives pursuing his heart, running after him, striving, forgetting what's behind and pressing on to what's ahead, pressing on to the goal to win the prize of what? Knowing him, sharing in his sufferings that I somehow might, might attain to his resurrection, knowing that's promised to us. And this is what Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep because that's the only way it's going to happen. And I have sheep that are not of this fold, which this passage talks about in the end. He's talking about the Gentiles. Like Jews can't even imagine that the Gentiles are going to get to be a part of this kingdom. 
Uh, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. You know, and it's almost a statement like, unlike you guys who don't, right? So there will be one flock and one shepherd. It, that, that's, that's what we hear in John, 10, John 17, when Jesus is praying right before his, his cross. He, he's saying, oh, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. I mean, the, the standard of, of intimacy, the standard of, of, of closeness is the Father and the Son. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to accomplish that purpose in us. Do you know that, that the greatest purpose in, 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 our, in the saint's life is to know him? It's to draw close. Because that's where everything comes from. Our joy, our purpose, our ambition, our direction... Fruit? Luke 13 continues in verse 24. He says, strive, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, many. Like he's answering the question, many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. Question, are you striving to know and grow in your intimacy with Jesus, our Lord, our bridegroom? Are you striving to know him? Because this isn't just for the sinner. This is the saint is Paul, 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 like exemplifies this when he's talking about press on towards the goal. And, and I, I, let me read this to you. Like, I love this. Not that I have already obtained all of this, like the perfection of, of, of resurrection and knowing him um, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me, him. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And if you're not mature in this, he says, grow up. I mean, or you will. Like, I mean, that's that's what he says. So, are you striving to, to know and grow in your relationship, in your intimacy with Christ as Lord? Because there will come a day, capital D day, that, that we're told, the great and dreadful day, when many will seek to enter and will not be able to. That's what Jesus is saying there. He's talking about the ark moment where the door is shut and, there's, and, and judgment comes and that's it. The door's never opened again. Man, have you ever thought about what it would be like for for people that that weren't in Noah and his family, like the eight that are on that ark, which is a picture of the ark is the cross and 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 those that are in it uh, are saved, right? Uh, and spared God's judgment. I mean, it's just like the wood that's painted over that they paint the blood over the doorpost. Like that's that's what it's only by his sacrifice. It's only by his mercy. It's only by his grace and our trust and faith in him that we are saved. It's nothing that we do. We don't merit God's favor. We don't earn salvation. But we are surely called to strive to enter it. And have you ever thought of like what those people... I mean, I'm sure there was people during certain, you know, down south when the storm hit. They were like, eh, no big deal. You know, I'm, I know I'm on an island, and but no big deal, you know. And it was all washed away. Right? And I'm sure that was a sobering moment. 
But you know, there's, there's still opportunity there. But, but when Christ comes back, the door will be shut. Right? And it's not that God hasn't pursued every single heart. Do you, what's God's desire? That none should perish, right? But he also tells us very clearly that wide is the road and many will walk that path simply in, in a posture of rejecting my embrace, my, my invitation to life and love and liberty. Are you procrastinating? Because that's what we see happens a lot. Well, you know, I, I, let me go bury my dad. Um, he hasn't passed yet, but I need to go. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Let the spiritually dead bury the spiritually dead. You come follow me. That's how urgent. You know, in, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7, it says, I mean, Paul, the, the entourage of folks that, that, that wrote this letter says, today is the day of salvation. Today. In this, if, if you hear the good news, that you would respond because God, here's my conviction. God knocks on the door of our hearts in, in a variety of ways, you, unique and intimate to you. Like it's beautiful. Like he knows you so well that he, he's coming after you in, in ways and terms and, and that, that, that resonate with you. He, he's, doing, he's, he's, he's on a rescue mission. He sent his son to do it. And then he's got, he's got us to finish it, right? And, and, and he's, he's seeking to save, to rescue and it's amazing that people can be drowning and they don't think they're drowning and they're like, no, I got this. Right? Because God, God, God doesn't want anybody to perish. But he's not going to force his will upon you. He's going to invite you into his salvation, into his rescue. Amen. Let me ask you another question. You might not be a procrastinator because, you know, you've heard this you know, you, God's been knocking on your heart in various ways. Now, here's the danger before I get to the next piece. Here's the danger. When God knocks on your heart and you resist, quench the spirit, reject, you know what happens to our hearts? They actually get harder and colder. And it just, it goes south from there until we can, be, we can actually get in a posture where the Bible talks about like actually hating. Like we, we joined that group that wanted to kill Jesus. Because I'm not making the change. I'm not, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going I'm to try to turn you off. And it gets, we get cold. Next question is, because we see this in this passage in Matthew 7, are you deceived? Because that's what the enemy seeks to do, is to blind to this glory. I mean, like, okay, let's just talk about the good news. God sent his son to die a sinner's death because we were separated from him, which means death, right? From life himself. And he came to rescue us, motivated by love. And he doesn't ask anything from you. It's a free gift. He just wants you to believe in him. I don't know. Creation itself is evidence of God. Man is without excuse. I mean, we're surrounded by evidence. And yet we find means and excuses through deception. But can, do you know that the truth will set you free? Do you know that, that God's truth is more powerful? That's why faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Like the word of God will literally lift the veil of deception. Do you know that? That's why we're so desperate to stay in God's word because we live in a world that is constantly trying to deceive us, right? And we live in flesh that though it's been circumcised still wants life, right? And, and, and we are, we are prone to these deceptions. And if you don't think you are, you're, you're deceived in that. (laughs) 
right? And that's why we've got to, we got to bathe our minds. Jesus said, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Like we got to bathe our mind in God's word because the truth, does light overcome darkness? Every time? Every time, right? So that's what, so, so here's a passage where Jesus talks about this being a, a, a form of deception. Okay, so let me ask this before I, I read the passage. Um, do you believe that there are people that, that will actually call Jesus Lord and when it comes to the to the shut door moment, that 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 he will say, "I don't even know you. I don't I don't know where you're from. We don't. You're not my bride." Do you think that there are people that literally go to church? You know that they're a fan of Jesus. Are you a fan of Jesus, or are you a follower of Jesus? Because that's a big difference. There's a lot of people that are a fan of Jesus, but but listen to what Jesus says here, because this is the deception. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is God's will? That we would believe on the Son and be saved. Right? On that day, many will say to me, on that day, same day we're talking about here, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. Look, they assumed God's authority for what they were doing. It was powerless effort. It didn't have any eternal impact. Probably partnership with the enemy. But they just assumed based on some of their life experiences that, and because they called him Lord, but didn't do what he said, that, that they were, that they had an intimate relationship with Jesus. And this isn't the first time Jesus talks about this. And then he goes on to say this, and then I will declare to them that, that called him Lord, did things in his name. Then I will say, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness or sinfulness. That's sobering, right? Do you know him? Do you know the, the warmth of his love? Do you know the, the fellowship of his presence? The power that he wants to, to, to use you to be a witness for the gospel's sake, for the glory of God. Are you building your house on the rock? Because this, this passage I just read goes on for four more verses and basically says this. And it's in this context. It says, look, all of you just heard my Sermon on the Mount. All of you heard it. But those that put it into practice are going to build their house upon me, the rock. But those that heard it and didn't put it, don't put it into practice, right? When the storms come, because they're going to come for everybody, whether you're building on, you know, on his principles or not, when the storms come, your, your house, your life is going to be washed away. So what's the difference? They, they both heard, they both get the same trials and adversity, the difference is this, one obeyed his word, followed him, declared, didn't just declare him Lord, but it was true based on their living and they built their house on a rock that when the, the storm came, they endured. So again, here's the question, are you striving to enter Christ Jesus, to enter into his presence, his love? 
And this is not a, this is not a striving that's filled with anxiety or concern about, it, it's just a, it's like a, it's a husband and wife relationship where you're just pursuing a, a depth of intimacy that is far greater than what you currently know. Does that make sense? Because love drives that. When is it too late? As the text is, is depicting, when is it too late? When the door is shut on that day. And man, there's so much. Jesus talks about this so much. Almost every time he talks about the kingdom, he talks about this. You know, when that day he's going to bind up the weeds, right? Throw them in the fire and then he's going to bind. He's, the angels are going to bind up the, the weed. This is just a picture. And he put it, he love, he says this, and put it in my barns. Tell Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. His kingdom will come, and it has come to to a degree. With like we see it dimly, but it's going to be more profound than we could possibly imagine. Twenty five goes on to say, then once the master, speaking of himself, of the house has risen. I think that's pretty interesting. You know, after he has risen, uh, and then then to move forward, second coming, shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to not, and he says you. Begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. I, I, I mean, to me, I hear like what, what people would have been saying when the flood water started to rise and Noah's in the boat. And I mean, open the doors. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Who's the master in the house? Jesus. See, Jesus won't let a stranger in at that point. That's what he's saying. You're not my bride. Many who are invited waited too long to respond. Guys, have you ever done that? You ever been invited to something and you just thought maybe something better will come up? Maybe something easier or more fun? Jesus has invited you into himself. And you know there are people that that literally are procrastinating on that, going, I want to get my fill of the world first. You want to, you want to know where that lie came from? Many who are invited waited too long to respond. Again, the question this morning is this, are you striving to know him? Have you responded to his salvation, his, his invitation to come? Like the doors, please understand. I think that the door to the ark was wide open for for a very long time, and uh, and 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 this is what this is what the door looks like right now. His arms are wide open. He is he is inviting you in to an intimate, deep, passionate, eternal relationship with Him, filled with love and all of the characteristics of God, His presence, and. And there are people that are just like our, our sinful nature, our posture by default is no. I want to be in control. I want to do what I want to do. And that's why we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily. Isn't it interesting that it's in that order? You can't follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. Are you a fan? Or are you a follower? Are you his bride? It's interesting. So what are you waiting for? 
Honestly, I, I think it's a, I think it's a pertinent question. What are you waiting for? Whether you're the saint that's that's kind of got one foot in the world and one foot in in the kingdom, or at least you think so. I think that's the Lord, Lord people. What are you waiting for to 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 throw it all in, and to run after Him with? Like, is He your purpose? Are you striving for Him? Listen to this. This is a sobering text just to bring in context or a parallel passage that helps to to breathe like understanding into this moment. Matthew 22, 1 through 9 says this. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of God may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. They would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, who are invited. You're, they're invited. See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business while the rest seized his servants. Now, this is the legacy of Israel that Jesus is using this illustration to, po- to point to. This is what they did to the prophets. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king, now this is talking about the father. The king was angry with Israel, and he sent his troops, Babylon, Assyria, and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities, Jerusalem. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Gentiles. Do you see it? Why did they wait? Why did they wait? Why did they refuse? They went off after other things. Guys, we got to be careful. Are you chasing other things? What are you striving for? What are you striving to? What is, what is, the, what is driving the, the passions and the pursuits of your life? They went off of, uh, after other things. The parable of the sower and the seed says, the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the pursuit of pleasure choke out the seed and make it fruitless. Do, does any of that relate? And should we, should we really be wrapped up in the world or should we be not conformed to the patterns of the world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we test and approve what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is? See, the narrow way is hard. Jesus never pulls punches. He says the narrow way is hard. The wide way is easy. And the sad reality is we seek ease. That's our default. Oftentimes we make decisions based on what path is easier, especially in America. We are ease oriented, right? And we, with that, that's part of our, uh, which, which, which is, which, which path is going to make it easier on my life and make my life more eased. And Jesus says that the narrow path is hard. Do you, did, did Jesus model that for us? Did he? right? To perfection. And man, when we run down the easy path, you know what happens? Let me tell you what happens to those that run, run the easy path. We never grow up in the Lord because it's, it's through the catalyst of adversity that we grow. 
It's through struggling and striving to enter the, the narrow gate that we, that we experience. Count it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you are mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Add to your faith, right? Because that, that's what it does. It helps us to share in his suffering, so we share in more of an intimate understanding of Christ and know him better. In, uh, in the Matthew passage, this is what it says. Enter by the narrow gate, Matthew seven thirteen, For the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. That leads to life. And those who find it, he answers the guy's question, are few. Are you among the few? Are, are you like, are you embracing the hard moments of life as a catalyst for change and growth and, and even more so as a place where your witness glows and radiates? Back to our passage, verse 26, 27 says, Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank with you in your presence and, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. See, they, they waited due to a false sense of security. Man, I don't want anybody that is a part of our church family to be in the Lord, Lord category. And we avoid that by being what? Obedient. And, and is obedience easy in a world that is completely contrast to his will and his word and his way? No, we're told that like it's going to be hard. Doesn't that help us? He says, I'm sending you out like not sheep. He says, lambs, baby sheep among wolves. He said, they hated me. They'll hate you too. Have you been in the presence of God without experiencing the presence of God? That's what they said. We, 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 you taught, we, we ate with you. You know, there are people that'll be, they'll be in church their whole life around the Holy Spirit that are in others and will never know the intimate work of God's Spirit in their own life. That's sad because they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They're experiencing it secondhand. They're ex- I mean, they get outside the church and they're, they're like, oh, I feel so, you know, but they're not experiencing it firsthand. And that's what that's what's happening here. They're like, but but I saw you. Like you were here. You were you were close to me. Yeah, but Jesus is saying, but you you weren't close to me. That's what he was saying. Are you a fan? Or are you a follower? We've got a lot of fans out there. And they're part of the many, let me promise you. But the few I almost said a marine statement there. The few, the brown. Um, are you striving, seeking to know and grow in him? Are you? Are you striving to enter? And of course, this is talking about regeneration. Just, I mean, this is, this is salvation, but, but there's implications for the saint. The Lord has given Israel many chances. Would you not agree? Many chances, right? In Luke 10, 13 to 16, it says this, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! 
For if the mighty works done in you, this is current context to Jesus' ministry, done in you by him, in other words, had been done in Tyre, Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in in the judgment for them, Tyre and Sidon, than for you. More bearable in the judgment. And you, Capernaum, you ha- uh, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. Now, this is what he tells the disciples. This is interesting. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me ultimately rejects my father, the one who sent me. Have you rejected his invitation to life? This, this is the most important questions that we could, will ever answer in our life. Why is God our father so patient? Because he, he desires that none no one will perish. There will come a great and dreadful day. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is coming back for his bride? Do you believe in the resurrection? Guys, if you're sitting here this morning, you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Let me tell you that the scriptures will say you have not experienced salvation. Right? And if he came back, we're promised that he will return to bring us to experience the same resurrection that's what we're told. The same, the same bodily resurrection, right, to a new glorified body, sown in weakness, raised in power. There will come a day. The prophet says a great and dreadful day. The door, and I believe this, will soon be shut. Now, what does that motivate us to do? Strive. To enter in. To beckon, plead, plead with people. So I, I have to, sh- I know our time is short. I, so this um, Thursday when the storm was here, if you have any, any needs after the storm, please put that on the connection card. We'd love to love on you and help serve. Um, but I was, uh, it was five o'clock and our dishwasher went out three weeks ago. And so um, I've been, I, and I don't know if you guys are like this, but then, you know, I start doing my research. I start looking at the different brands then narrow it down. And then, you know, and then you're looking at reviews. and blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm a Whirlpool fan. Like I just have had just great results. So, so that, you know, just those things kind of narrow down. So, so um, finally, you know, so it just happened that Home Depot had them on sale and it's right now and free deliver all that stuff. So I, I went down five o'clock thinking, oh, today storm, you know, like, and it wasn't bad. Um, it, the place will be dead. Um, so I go in and lo and behold, there's there's two associates in, in appliances and both of them are, are working with a customer. But that's it. The rest, I mean, the store's basically dead. So I, I'm going to give you the, the, the short story here because but it was so powerful. So um, so the guy, John, uh, who I've met before, says, um, can I can I can I challenge you to do something? Get to know people in restaurants you visit. Get to know people. Get to know your your cash register person. At go to go to go to places consistently and build relationships so that God might use you to rescue them or to encourage them if they're a saint. So um, so John's there and he's like he's bending over. He's like I'm so sorry, you know like and the the, the customer he's working with is by, are buying all six appliances like washer you know the whole deal, and then he says but. Um, he says, I, there's another associate over here. I said, well, I spoke to Beth yesterday. I said, no problem. I'm, I'm happy to wait. No problem. He goes, oh, that's Beth over there. You can tell her, you know, that you're here. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that because she's working with a customer. I don't want it to seem like I'm going, hey, I'm here, you know. And uh, But I, I felt like, okay, I'll just go over and say, hey, Beth, no rush. 
Uh, just want you to know that uh, that I'm here. Spoke to you yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. So stand there. And and I'm waiting. Now I want to tell you that I just want to be honest. My flesh is going. You know, I got lots of things I could be. You know, like I mean, my flesh is in that. You ever feel your flesh being impatient? Anybody? Okay, so like, I'm not alone? Okay, good. So like, I, I can feel the impatience of my flesh, especially in our American kind of kind of mentality. Like, we've always got to be doing something, right? Right? And this doesn't feel fruitful. So, um, so, I'm, so I'm standing there, and but the Spirit of God is like, I, is, no, no, I'm going to say it this way, is infusing patience in me. Like, it's, there's a contentment. There's like, I mean, it's like, the battle's there, right? But I, but, but I'm feeling overwhelmed with, and joy. I just heard a song on Joy FM came in and, I, and I'm, and it's going through my head, right? So like, so I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? And, and John's profusely apologizing every three minutes. And then the power goes out. Black. Black. And both associates are like, oh no. Cause they're going, it's all going to be lost, right? We're going to have to start all over, right? And at this point, um, for, the lights come back on in about three minutes and, um, and then all of a sudden, it's like ants to a nest. Like all these people start coming to the appliance section at Home Depot. So of course, like John's anxiety level goes through the roof, you know, and uh, and now they're coming back to a, a, their terminal and they're going, I don't even know if I've, any of this is saved. You know, are we going to start over? And in both cases, the, the stuff came back up, right? So the lady that, but but what this did, like, man, providence. What this did was it moved Beth and her her her, her customer right over next to me and John at, at the kiosk, right there. So the girl is talking with, and she's been talking a lot throughout the, the journey, and she basically is saying, you know, this, this blackout's all my fault. And so I'm just listening, and, and uh, she's like, Every t- everything today has gone bad. In fact, everything this week, you know, my life, you know, and she just starts sharing, you know, out loud. So the, the Spirit of God prompted me just to simply go over which was three, four steps, and just say, do you need a hug? And, uh, and she was like, yes. And, and I'm always careful to hug ladies from the side, you know. She wasn't having it. I mean, she's coming in, right? She, like head on the shoulder and instantly sobbing, like sobbing, right? And, and I'm sitting there and, and just holding her for a minute. And then I, I kind of pull back a little bit and I look her in the eyes and I said, do you know that Jesus loves you and that God is with you? Like he's here and he loves you. And, and you know what I loved is she goes, I know it's just been hard and I just needed this today. So like, it just seemed like one of those moments where like everything went, Hmm, you know, like, like everybody was paying attention, you know, and, and, and she was just, instantly elevated and you know you could see the difference like and and then john and this has nothing this is my point this has nothing to do with me other than my just the holy spirit like it's glory to god it always is glory to god because if not for him i'm going i'm out of here right and and he opens our eyes to the brokenness that surrounds us because most people are oh i don't want to get involved in that you know what i mean but but john this is what john said he goes this is this is He's standing here, he goes, who would, would take care of me in just a minute. He says, that was beautiful. And then, no more anxiety. John was no, no, I mean, all people are still in the room. But he was like, he was like, do, do, do. You know, like he was all, he was all, man, like that's the gospel light. 
That's what we're called to do in order to, in, to, to have a, the privilege of sharing the why, to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Man, look, I've failed in many, many occasions and opportunities, but, but I'm just saying, man, hopefully that encourages you to, like, to, to know people and to love people and to be aware of people that are in your context. Um, have you, have you rejected his invitation to life? Have you accepted? Have you, have you come into his presence? This, this passage ends with this. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is talking about ultimate separation after the door is shut. This is the, this is, and please understand, like when people don't want God, that's what he gives them at the end of the day. That's not because that's what God wants for them. It's what they want. I mean, those that want him get a fuller experience in eternity of him. Those that don't want him get a fuller experience in eternity of not wanting him. God's not to blame for that. He has pursued their heart. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus said, I mean, the Old Testament says, I am the God of Abraham. So that's why those folks are being used here and all the prophets and the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. Now, this is interesting because this is not the only place. We see this in in the rich man and Lazarus. And thank you for your patience this morning because I just want to wrap this. This is so good. That Jesus depicts as if the worst part of hell is you're going to see heaven and not be there. He says it several times. Like you're going to, you're going to be a spectator of what you could have had and what they are having. And yet you are going to be as far from life and joy and peace as you possibly could be weeping perpetually, by the way, eternally, Weeping and that this isn't you consumed by the fire and it's over. It's an eternal judgment. Guys, we we should want that none should perish, right? And it says, and behold, and this this verse gets taken out of context so much. Behold, some that are last who will be first, and some are first that will be last. What are you saying? Is the Jews thought they were, and they were. And those that think they're last, I mean, this would first be attitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Do, do, do we know how undeserving we are of this glorious kingdom that's been given to us? So some final questions or thoughts. Israel considered them first. Arrogance keeps them from humbling themselves before God. Are you still in first place in your life? Have you humbled yourself before God and others? Do you consider yourself first when you're last? And then this is an interesting thought that I had. They were, they were trusting in religion to save them. And Jesus was offering them a relationship with him. How many people are trusting in religion? Thinking that if my good outweighs my, all of this foolishness, right? Rather than it's not about, it's not about religion. It's about an intimate, personal relationship. So my challenge is don't delay trust Jesus today. I know that sounds cheesy, doesn't it? But like that's the deal. Like don't delay trust Jesus today. Every time we reject Jesus' invitation to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, our hearts grow harder and colder. 
And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, talking about Christ and the rest that he brings, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of what? Isn't that what we, that's the, that's everything Jesus has been saying. Don't, don't call me Lord if you don't obey me. Like, so he says, and formerly received the good news and failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. This is the pursuit and the persistence of God. Today, saying through David so long ago, afterwards, after they had entered, he was talking about entering the promised land. In the words already quoted, listen to, he says it again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So today, if the worship team would come, today, if, if you've heard his voice to come close, I don't know, I don't have a clue where, you're all, where, you, where you are, but pro- I promise you this, Jesus does. And let me tell you his heart, he's like the prodigal father that stands on the horizon and he is looking to welcome you back home with open arms. Listen, he paid the price for your sin. So it's, he's saying what sin? If you're confessing and and believing that he's the one that quenched your sin debt. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And here's my final question. Have you ever waited too long and missed out on an opportunity? This is the ultimate miss out. And we don't want anyone to perish or miss the moment with Jesus. Whatever it takes, let us be laborers in the harvest. Let us draw near, as verse 24 says, strive. That word literally, I looked it up, means do your best to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter in that day and will not be able to. Come, won't you come? I don't know what that looks like for you this morning as the worship team closes in this song. Would you let these lyrics become your, your anthem? Would, would, would you state that, like, you're my hope? Would you strive to enter in? I don't know if that means walking the aisle and kneeling here. I don't know if that means for the saint that I just need to confess that sometimes I'm, I'm doing the Lord, Lord thing and I'm not obeying. I'm not truly following him. I don't know if that, if you're far from God and, and, and you've just heard this morning that I can come near. And all it means is I've just got to trust. I've just got to put my faith and confidence in him. I've got to reject my sin. I've got to agree with God, as, as Lori said, that I'm a sinner and, and that you're my savior and you're willing to do this work that I can't do for myself. But he wants to rescue you. And then he wants to put his spirit in you to do the work that only he can do, which is to make you like himself. Would you, would you pray through those things this morning? Would you acknowledge the truth of God's word and its implications in your life based on what he's spoken to you today? And during the song, would you respond so that you're not left or not following? Uh, would you do that? Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.